right. So Mr. Wayne said he needs to get off right at eight. So we'll we'll try to hold tight to the timeline there. Um this morning I, I want to read a few passages to kind of get in our heart um before we, we break down our text, which will start in, in John 15, um verse verse 18. And we'll read a little bit in a 16 just because I think it, it kind of flows together. And um, even though there's chapters and verses, it doesn't always mean that when one chapter ends, another one starts. And that's the actual end, end of the paragraph or the thought. So we'll uh, a little bit OCD. I don't like to start 16 and actually be in 15, but what we're going to do it this morning. Um, quick overview reminder. We've broken the book of John into four parts, chapters one through four and then five to 12. And we're in the third part, sections 13 to um, chapters 13 to 18. Um, just a quick reminder. Um, the book of John uses seven signs and um, four of them are healing signs. Three of them are um, kind of supernatural signs. The three supernatural signs are the water and the wine and, and chapter two. The um, And then in chapter six, we see the... Uh, the feeding of the 5,000, and then the walking on water. The healing signs are in chapter 4, where Jesus heals a person without even being there. Um, and then um, and then in that last section we did in chapter th um, 3, there's these three signs and wonders of healing that kind of verify who Jesus is and kind of give some, some credibility to, to his um, unique conversation piece that he's bringing to the table. Um, that, of course is the old man, 38 years, crippled by the pool, um, and then the um, blind man in chapter 9, um, and then Lazarus in chapter set, um, 11, which is the idea of being dead and being raised alive, the idea of being blind, um, and, and all these things. So all of these have deeper themes as you, as you ponder them a bit. Um, last week was a little bit tough with me, uh, for me, um, I would say it just was kind of a little bit rabbit chasing text, um, whether it was is using some simple words like abide and, 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 and the world and love. But it was using it. Um, a, an example is if I started telling you a story and I was going to tell you about a tree, a car and a house. And I start telling you about the tree and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm talking about the car and the next thing I'm talking about the house and I come back to the car. And sometimes it can be hard to follow that. And um, sometimes you, the Bible, you 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 deal with that. Some kind of a run-on sentence, an excitement, a jumping around. And so sometimes it's hard to follow that because we tra traditionally like it to be organized and all that. And so I felt like there was a little bit of that. And so when your heartbeat is to rightly divide the word of God, sometimes that can be difficult. Um, it's nice when you can systematically walk through, but that's not always the best way. You know, so you just have to, just submit yourself to the word and the teaching of Jesus and know he knows best and, and just let, let the word of God do what it does as you read and study it. Um, this week, um, I sent out a text and I felt like there was a few little themes there that we could get a little bit more um, traction or organization. And they were hated and persecuted as the first part, guilty and without excuse, the second part and equipped to hold in the line and fall and not falling away. And so as uh, as you read the book of John, it's fascinating. Um, hopefully it's fascinating to you. We, I, I realize we've, we've been in it about a year now, um, but but hopefully it's fascinating to you. And hopefully when you read, whether it be a, a verse 
or a paragraph or a chapter in John, you realize is interconnected with a lot of other things. And so this morning, as I was reading through this book, I want to just briefly kind of prepare our hearts a little bit this morning, reading a few few verses that I was thinking about that will kind of kind of give us some 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 kind of just um, jar brain jar heart a little bit about some thoughts that I think um, all come together in these in these ideas that we read today. And um, so my hope is is that maybe we'll spark an interest in this that you know that beyond today um you'll you'll con- continue to think think about these themes and maybe maybe not just read the chapter or the section that we're in John but maybe go back and reread a few parts of John and start to realize that there's nuggets in the book of John that holds us strong in our faith and so I'm just going to start off um let me look at my list here I want to start off um in John 318 or no let me i'm gonna the one thing i'm gonna read out of out of john and everything else will be in john is ephesians chapter 4 11 through 16 and you can navigate to it if if that's easy for you if you want or you can just just listen but this is what john i mean ephesians 4 11, 16 said and he gave the apostles and the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be um, children tossed to and fro from the waves and, uh, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deep deceitful schemes, Rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow that it that it builds itself up in love. So there's a lot said there, but there's there's what we have in the church, there's what we have in, in Christ, there's but but the goal is to grow up in Christ and to be stable and not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And I think we'll see those themes as we read our text this morning. Briefly, um, in John 3.18, we'll get in John now, but John 3.18, it says this idea. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but who but whoever does not believe is condemned. Um, already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. So when we think about condemnation, condemnation or guiltiness or, or something like that, like like it, this text is saying that it's just basically about what you do with Jesus. If if you believe in Jesus, um, you're not condemned. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're condemned. I, I like that simplicity of that, that just straightforwardness of that. In verse 33 of the same chapter, it says, whoever re- receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Um, so this is about these words that Jesus is saying. I'm with that. We're going to see that thing when he talks to the disciples this morning. But that word seal, we read out of Ephesians 1.13, that that's that confirmation, the, the, the Holy Spirit living in us, us being a new creation, is that confirmation that we have reservations in heaven 
and that when he said he was going to find a to prepare a place for us and he would come back, that's that's what we're talking about. This confirmation in heaven. Um, and then one last is verse 36 at the end of chapter three. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Who does whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So then this again, this simple concept. How are you judged? How are you condemned? Um, j just by what you do with Jesus. Uh, I've heard it before. We've said it before. The most important um, thing you think about is when you think about Jesus, um, what you think about when you think about God, what you think about when you think about Jesus. And um, so is he the Messiah? Is he not? That was the question he asked in Matthew 16. Who do they say that I am? And they begin to say a prophet and Elijah and so on and so forth. And they said, he looked at him and said, who do you say that I am? And so this is, the really important setting is when Jesus comes close to you and says, who do you say that I am? That you, that you have the right answer and you have the right answer because you've, you've been in his word, you've laid his word on your heart and you, you've, you've processed that. You've said, what does this mean? Is this true? Is this not? You've allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and see the tenderness of your heart and the openness of your mind and direct those things and teach you um, real quick. Let's see, I might have to hit a link here, but the, ne the next one real quick is in John 5, 36. And it says, um, it says he was, um, but, but so, so in this case, there's like six um, signs that Jesus has given that point to him. And so he's finishing up with John the Baptist and he's moving into the works, which I believe the works are actually, the things that that God prophesied that Jesus would do, and then He's fulfilling those things in in real time and and and, and real real space. But thirty six says, "But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me." So this is a verification. And the next line he says, "And the Father who." Um, I'm, I'm, well, that's not really there, but what I wanted to point out is it there. It's a, it might be a little bit up. Is so what he said in 35 or 33, 34, he says, you, you sent to John and he has bore witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I re receive is from man, but it says that, but I say these things so that you may be saved. So out of these six witnesses, the works and John the Baptist's testimony is sort of like the weakest or the simplest um, to accept in the sense of they're easiest for man to accept because they're more practical, but they're the least heavenly. They're the least more, more solid, more powerful as you grow in Christ. And so when he's saying he's kind of like the idea of I'm throwing you a bone, I'm, I'm giving you a hint. He's, he's sort of when he's pointing to. You remember what John had to say to me? That's credible as pointing to me. And when he's saying about, look at all these works I'm doing, he wants you to embrace something way better than that. But he's saying, but this, like, this is the bare minimum. Like all these prophecy books have been written. You've been hearing about this from your parents and reading it in the synagogue forever and ever. I'm doing these things right now. And so that's Im important. And then um, the last one is, um, is 1024 
to 38, there's just a few points. I'll just read it in context so it don't sound um, jumbled. But it says, um, so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, I always love this line because a lot of times um, I've done this. I've heard other people do this, that you're reading and you're like, how did the Jews not get it? He's doing this and he's doing that. And you're just pretty, pretty joggled by that. But, but what I love about this is all that comes to head right here because they are saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I mean, you can't ask any clearer than that. I mean, they are. You know, and 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 I and I, I as I read that verse, I'm like, what's he gonna do? What's Jesus gonna do? And and then these next verses unfold. He says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. So we've got this theme of works and the and the value of them. And he says, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So I want you to kind of feel this sheep language that, that there's a reason why they can't believe. And, and he's, he's given this and I know them and they follow, follow me in 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one able to snatch them out of my father's hand i am the i am the father are one and the jews picks up stone uh, picks up stones again to stone him jesus answered them and this is this idea works again jesus answers them i have shown you many good works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me and they respond with, it is not for a, a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. And then Jesus answers them, it is not written in your law. I said to you, you are gods. If he called them gods, whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. And this is where, let's see, um, I want to want to look at is... Um, Let's see, we're at 36. Do you say of him who the Father concentrated and send the world? You are blasphemed because I said right here in 37, it says, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father sent me and I am in the Father um, so, so what I'm, I'm trying to paint here is that like with John the Baptist and the works, this was a big deal. And this was a handicapped bone trying to help people weak be saved and not, and not perish. Um, the last text, and I, I know this one a little longer, but I, I want to hit this one because this was to me, the most important is in John eight, I'll pick up in verse 37 and I, I want to finish all this in this one deal this debater idea that he has with these people in John eight and, and this idea that he says, your word, my word, talking about Jesus word has no place in my heart. I think in terms of spiritual discernment, you got to capture what he's saying in John eight. And I think that if you do and you connect it with this in John 15, which will go into, you know, in the 16, if you, if you connect the dots there, it will greatly help you when, because he's going to say, 
you're not of the world. But when but but when we're living this life, this pilgrimage as a disciple of Jesus, and we're witnessing to Jesus, and we're 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 wondering why the world deals with us in different ways. If you capture this idea, it'll give you all the clarity in the world to navigate it. So back to the Ephesians, Ephesians text, as you grow up in the maturity of Christ, you will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and you'll be anchored, and you'll be able to hold fast to your faith. This is an important concept. So so looking at it in, um, scanning my spot, in verse 37 and 38, he says, I know so so what he's done is in the very top he, he addressed some issues with Moses but in 36 he says um he says so if the sun sets you free you're free indeed that's in 36 and he says I know that you you are um the offsprings of Abraham. So I was trying to see where that was, but he's he's been working through this with Abraham, but he says, I know you the offsprings of A Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Um, what chapter are you in, Dennis? John 8. Um, okay, still on 8. So, so I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. So this, this works... And these words, all these are kind of coming together with the same idea of, 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 of if you don't recognize his works, if you can't have no place for his words in your heart, you've got a pretty big problem. And that's kind of what we're trying to lead at, that, that, that when we're talking to people and we share some simple gospel truths and they have no place for that, you know, and they, and, and you explain the signs of Jesus and what he did and they're like, what does that have to do with Christ to China? This is dangerous, dangerous territory. Now, there's not always, as the evangelist or the discipleship, there's not always something you can do about it. Sometimes it's all you are allowed to do by the Lord is to sow a seed and pray for them and hope that that seed produces fruit and, and breaks that heart and opens those eyes and that ear sometimes. So that's why we're faithful to being, being witnesses is because if we're not sowing the seed, if you go back and read in Matthew 13 and you watch through that story, there's a part as he's explaining the parable where he says that when he talks about the birds, he says, and when the seed is sown, the birds come and immediately pick it up. And the way he explains that is he says the devil is snatching that word so that they won't be saved. So he's saying if the word and the person hangs around too long without the devil snatching it, they're going to be saved. And so sometimes it's not just the devil snatching it. Sometimes it's the person saying, I don't want none of that religious business. Get that stuff out of here. Sometimes they willingly reject the word, but, but we can't do, we, we sow the word. They respond, the devil responds, whatever have you, the world responds. But, but if it's the devil snatching and we try to find a way to get the seed in where the devil can't snatch it, if it's the world is snatching it, but if the person himself's heart is hard, if his heart is hard, there, there ain't much we can do, but keep knocking on the door the best we can. It's loving and patient and long suffering as we can. But so, so here, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. This is what I would say falls into. There's the unreached people and the hard to reach people. So the unreached people are people that ain't had the seed sowed. These people have had the seed sowed. They've become hard to reach because they have twisted the word or twist, twisted the ideas and they've embraced them heart, wholeheartedly. And so 
what they're thinking about Moses, what they're thinking about Abraham, what they're thinking about God, God is completely wrong. It's completely fleshly. It's completely of the world. It has nothing to do with dying to their self. And so uh, Jesus is calling them to, re I, don't, I don't like to use the word rethink, but he's calling them, do, do the scriptures really say that? Has God really directed you that way? Is is Abraham, is that really the way he thought and believed? Is that really what Moses was writing about? And he is just calling calling them um, to, to, to go back and look at the sources of, of, of it all and see if they're on track. And that they're not willing to do. There's that arrogance of, um, we know what we're doing. Who do you think you are? And, and so... He says, I know that you're the offspring to Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. So that right there is a sign. If you're wanting to kill someone, why are you wanting to kill them? And he says, he's saying that the reason they want to kill him is because my word finds no place in you. So they try in some ways to prove his wrong to be like, let's say, unbiblical. Well, they can't do it. So, so what do you do when you don't like what someone says and you try to prove what they're saying to be unbiblical and you can't do it? And then they keep pointing you back to Scripture. Maybe your understanding of Scripture is not right, and maybe you need to change what you've anchored to and anchor to what you actually see in Scripture. But when two people come and they discuss something and one is Scripture and one's not, and you find out you're the one that's not, you have to repent. And, 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 and relent, you know, to, to, to that. And so that's going on here. And he says, um, I speak of what I've seen from the father and you do what you have heard from your father. So now we have two fathers speaking and Jesus is saying, I'm speaking from not your father, but my father. And, and the mat, and the question is who's speaking from God, you know, and he, he, he walks through that. Let me just, I, I know we've kind of ran quick on time, but but go back and read this. Let me try to get the highlights so we can get to our text and get all uh, in time. But but I, I want you to think through these things. Um, but in 40, he says, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. In 47, and I know I'm going through this way too quick. So this is the most important is eight. So study these 37 towards the end. Um, but what I say the next one was is um 47. He says, um, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you are not from God. So I just want you to have these two fathers, these two spirits. And sometimes we can be, I don't want to so much say it's like the spirit of the devil, but it's its sort of like your flesh can create a religion. So you can, in one sense, be born again and have the spirit that draws you into a religion, but you'll have a hybrid where at one point you're, 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 you're worshiping the, the true Holy spirit and the true word of God and true concrete principles from God growing up in the maturity of Christ. And all of a sudden you get kind of sleepy or whatever. And the next thing you know, you have a flesh thing, like let's just say being nice to people, like, you know, just in a non-spiritual way, but we should just be nice to people, you know, and you start making a religion of that. You start telling your kids, we're going to be nice to people, you know, not necessarily because God's leading or directing that. So what I'm trying to say is the way the devil corrupts things is he allows 
he 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 plays religious language and talk in something that's not religious, something that's not biblical. And the next thing you know, if we're not going to God's word enough and filtering through this, we've got a mess. We we got things that are not in the Bible that we think are in the Bible. We got commands that that we've made because they make sense to us but they're not what Christ made. And so that's how you lead to this kind of place where, you, you know, the devil will navigate you through religion to push the truth about God out. And, and what you, what you think should be right, what you think it, you know, to be, so now you're worshiping a false religion, you know, that's how cults and stuff happen. And so that's why we believe in, in, in soul of scripture is because scripture breaks all that up. It just, it just filters through all of that. So I think I did that. Sorry about the long introduction. Let's look at the text here and get, get into some discussion. Um, so three parts, we'll look at these first two parts, which is really talking about hating and persecuting. So verse 18, it says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, and I'm going to put a parenthesis here, and I'm going to just so hear this right here. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, the world hates you. I just want you to hear that. So what he does, and, and the reason I say a parenthesis is he ejects, he injects in this, this paragraph here, but I chose you out of the world. Just that kind of parentheses thing. But, but, but I want you to hear if the world hates you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own because you are not of the world. The world hates you. So back to John eight, this is why I, I paralleled that is when he's speaking about the two fathers He's saying, my word has no place in your heart because you, you don't worship the same father. You're not getting your marching commands from the same father that I'm getting the marching commands. So if God calls you out of the world and, and sets you at the feet of God and you have ears to hear him and your eyes are open and your ears are open, your heart is open and you're, you're, you, you, you're a new creation and you desire to please God and then and and then the world is like, what has happened to you? We used to do this and we used to do that. Why are you not doing that anymore? And the answer is you're listening to a different father and, and, and they're still listening to the same father and they don't like it because you're making them uncomfortable because this father, you know, think about Romans eight. It says, it says, um, how does it say it? Let me look at it real quick, but, but go back to this verse and, in, in, um, in Romans eight, somewhere like, like, Eight, 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 or something like that. It says, um, it's it says, well, it's in verse six. Um, for the for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life, peace. And so in verse seven, he says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that's listening like that's the John eight listening to the father of this world or the devil or our flesh or the world. And so when we're addressing this coming out of the world where we've got a new master, we have a, a new heart internally in us. 
And so, so it is a natural cause. And he is, as he's fixing to leave them, he's making them aware. You might be a small group of people and there may be a whole lot of people that don't like you, but I want you to understand there's a reason they don't like you. It's the same reason they didn't like me because we're speaking from for God. And, 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 and John seven, seven, he says, they hate me because I tell them what they're doing is wrong. Nobody wants to hear what they're doing is wrong. And, and so, so all this is there. So let's, let's pick up um, in verse 20, it, it, it moves from hating to persecuted. And that's what we do. If you don't like someone, you persecute them. Right. And so he says, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, this is where I want to make a connection on all those passages that I read. And hopefully you'll go back and visit that a little bit. He says, if they keep my word, they will also keep yours. So go back to that John 8. The, you, you have no place for my word. Now, where was his word coming from? Was he just making it up? No, he says, He's saying exactly what the father said. So if, if you don't have a place for his word, Jesus or any of the prophets that were from God, then who do you actually ultimately not have a place for the word, the word of God? So your religion and your worship, your worshiping is not the God of the Bible. It's the God of your own making, which uh, equates to idol worship. You know, it. It might not be a, a temple, you know, on a hill or whatever they did, however that's described there, but you're worshiping an idol in modern real time and place if you're worshiping a God of your own making that is not biblical. And so whatever God you're worshiping should be constantly um, uh, critiqued by the word of God. We should constantly, as we're reading the word of God, is this the God I'm I'm worshiping that I see right here in scripture. That's why people that don't read the Bible that much have such crazy ideas of who God is and crazy ideas of how they, how they worship. And so in this, in this text, if they keep my word, they will keep yours. Meaning that when the apostles go out and share the gospel that has been delivered to them through Christ, that, that, that if if they are worshiping the God and they want to embrace the God of the Bible, they will they will they will accept this word. Uh, but all these things they will do on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. So I'm gonna pause for a second. We get, we're at 36 minutes. Um, any any thoughts on that before we unpack the last two texts? Because I know I I went along and I and I said a lot. So any. Any thoughts? You might be muted, Mr. Wayne. You are muted. Um, it was just that, I, in fact, I was I spent the morning 15 minutes uh, that I could spare talking to my atheist nephew. And I realized by what he said that he feels personally offended because we, uh, we, we, uh, we accuse him of doing things that aren't right. And uh, to me, we, we, I don't use the word God enough and say that, you know, I do, God is my authority. God is my king. That, therefore, you know, I don't, I'm not telling you what I like or don't like. I'm telling you what our father likes. And I use the Bible to get to know him. 
and and approach it that way so that you're not being kind condemning even to even to a non-believer um but encouraging them to look at the bible which would describe the god that you you obey yeah anything jeff you busy No, all good stuff, Dennis. I like the the supporting text that you uh, that you gave in John eight, and um, you know I'm I'm reminded of I think it's Luke, Luke four or something when he when Jesus is uh, in the synagogue and he speaks about who he is from the prophet of Isaiah, um, and they they pick up stones to kill him. Uh, that that was a messianic text, and he was clearly saying today has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, I came to set the captives free and, um, you know, from, from that point on, and that's early on in the book of Luke, you just see it unfold and it culminates in his, his dying on the cross that they were fully rejecting him. And they were, like you said, in John eight, working for their father, the devil. Yeah. So, um, I mean, well, some, sometimes, and I say too much sometimes, but I, I want to, I want to give you some anchor points here. So that hopefully some of the things that we've said will take some traction. But we read this in verse, um, I can't see the verse here. I guess that's in verse 20. The, the last part of verse 20, it says, he, he, he looks at his disciples and he tells them, if they keep my word, they will also keep yours. If all we're reading is this paragraph, we may not see the weightiness, but I tried to paint the picture of how much he uses this word and having a place in your heart from John eight. And, and, and just basically the idea that the gospel has been proclaimed and like some people are going to receive it and some people are not. And as we're watching that John eight and we see Jesus delivering it so well, so accurate, and there's still being people rejected. It doesn't matter how well or accurate we, you know, well, it matters the accuracy, but, but, but it doesn't always matter. Um, with with us it's it's not it's not our weaknesses you know we we beat ourselves up sometimes that like we didn't deliver it right or we didn't say it right or with the wrong tone or whatever no it's just the word it's just the seed and if they they'll they were if they don't don't think that if they reject it and you made a few mistakes and how you present it that they won't reject it if you if you nailed it because they rejected it when jesus did and if anyone can nail it it would be jesus you know but but um, but I want to do this. So if they keep my word, they will also keep yours. Now, in this next test text, we're going to look at it says, if I had done, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. I think that's a fascinating line there. And so that's what we're we're kind of pivoting around here. Mr. Wayne was just talking about how when people they, they start saying you're accusing me. Um just looking at real quick and we said this first, but I, I believe it was in John three eighteen. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So go back to Mr. Mr. Wayne, um, the example he gave, and we've all had this situation where you're trying to tell the truth of, of God and the person's like, you're so accusatory. My daughter has a little friend that every time she goes to church, you know, she won't tell us face to face directly, but somewhere we'll hear that all they do is talk about you're going to hell, you know, or something like that, or hell. And I'm like, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry, you know, but she's sensitive and tuned into that. So, so we need to be aware that when truth goes forth, 
the the flesh, the 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 the, the attachments to the world, the devil working in as the of their father in a sense that we're trying to that's blinded their eyes and we try to bring them out there so the veil's removed and this kind of thing. That that's just spiritual warfare that goes on. Like like they're just like that might not even be them speaking. That might be the devil saying, "Yeah, tell him stop accusing you. He'll quit talking." You know, you know. But but keep pressing in. You know, don't don't be distracted by that. Um, quit keep sharing the 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 word so these these verses here 22 um i'm at 22 if i had not come and spoken to them they would not have been guilty of sin like that's fascinating to me but now that they have no excuse for their but now they have no excuse for their sin so he comes he talks to them now they have no excuse because the message he's given no excuse and um and and then 23 Whoever hates me hates my father also. That's that's stepping it up a notch, right? Um, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. So 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 frame up that he did he did the works that no one did. That means he did more works than they've ever seen, uh, past, present, or future. But these works try to connect those dots. That these works are, I think. I don't know the number. Jeff may know the number, but I think there was like 360 prophecies or something like that. But it was a lot, you know, whatever the number is. But there was a lot of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And that's works. You know, that is action, specific actions in time, space and, and, and place and, and space that he did that he that no one else could have done. It, it was a it was a miracle and all that. And so if they would have known the scriptures and 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 the prophecies that that were supposed to be filled, I think it's in. If you look in Acts eighteen, Apollos is a great example for you to kind of consider. Is Apollos seems to not have had no direct interaction with Jesus, but he's hearing about Jesus and he knows these prophetic scriptures, and he says, "This has got to be the Christ. He's coming." You know, kind of trying to figure this out, and Priscilla and Aquila gets there. So there should have been more Apollos in the in the equation that 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 were studying God's word, knew what God had sent the prophets prophets to what what the prophets had said about what the Christ would be when they heard the rumors and the stories of and even saw the things that Christ was doing. They should have put two and two together and said, "This is Him," you know. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you don't believe me. And my actual physical, at least believe the, the words. He's like, I'm telling you content that's straight from God, but you don't like it. But but you have written content of prophecies. At least look at that. You know, John, you had some thoughts about John and you liked him. At least believe that. You know, so he was very loving in that way. Um, where do we pick up? So so these things, um, I think 23 hates me, hates father, um, had done among the works no one else would do. They would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and the father, but the word that is written. So, so I think that's something we don't want to roll over is that they're not just hating Jesus, the messenger They're They're all the way going up to the top and actually hating God. But in verse 25, it says, but the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. And so, you know, We'll, we'll 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 finish up here, but 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 this is Christ using Scripture to say there was a prophecy about me, and in this is being is being fulfilled. Um. So this last section, picking up in verse twenty six, 
So there's two verses left in fifth in um in um chapter 15, and then we'll pick up four in 16. And there's sort of a parentheses in here. Um, he's gonna he's gonna say about three things, but but let's look at it. 26 and 27. It says, But what the helper comes, but I'm sorry, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Um, so we've got two witnesses here. We've got the Holy Spirit, um, Spirit bearing witness to the apostles and the apostles bearing witness to their time with Christ. In 16.1, it says, I have said all these things. So 16.1 and 16.4, and this is where I would say there's a parenthesis, says something neat. He says in, in, in 16, 1, I'm going to skip that just so we can see the, the point of what he's making here. In 16, 1, he says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So that's that's important. Um, that's that tossing to and fro by everyone of doctrine. He's saying something for us to be anchored and to grow up in maturity of Christ and quit having so many questions and knowing that what we have is true. And um. And so I'm going to skip down to verse four and, and, and verse five and 16. It says, but I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I have told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So there's this, this like I'm saying some things like we're packing for a trip. I'm going and you're going on a mission trip by yourself. So I'm saying some things you really don't understand right now, but you're going to understand. So as Acts 2 comes and the uh, Pentecost and he had told them to wait for the spirit, there's a point where the seeds and the suitcase, spiritual suitcase that Jesus had been packing for them. And they're like, that is weird. What is he talking about? But I don't know if your mom ever, when you was going to camp, your mom would be like, you put some underwear in there, right? You know, whatever. So Jesus is, you got your socks, you got your toothbrush, right? So Jesus is kind of laying out some things in the suitcase. And they're like, you know, they're kind of like, mom, why do I need that? You know, this kind of deal. But, but, but just trust me, you're going to need to put a, put a candy bar in there, you know, you put, put a, you know, because he's putting certain little things that they think are odd, but the time comes where they realize Jesus equipped me for, for this task, you know, even with giving them the Holy spirit, which he's talking about here. So the two verses we didn't read, just read them in context is picking up in verse two. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. That all comes back to John 8. The two fathers, the devil, who's your father? Um, who are you worshiping? What words have place? So the whole rejection of Christ as a, as a prophet or as the Messiah was they didn't like the way the tune he was talking from. And the reason they didn't like the tune he was talking from is because they liked the tune that the devil was talking from. They liked the tune that the, the world was talking from. They were, were, were listening to a different tune. They were liking another tune. And, and what you need to realize is whatever tune you're listening to will affect your religion. And so what your religion does is gives you, um, it gives you a, um, a, 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 how, how is that? It, it frames up and gives you a, a validity 
a credibility to what you believe. And so if you're in a false religion, then you're you're anchored to 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 something that's anti-God. And if you're in a real religion, you're anchored to something that is God. And and so what tool do we have to determine if the religion we're anchored to is is purely attached to God and that we're we're, we're flowing in communication with God. We're, we're the, the sheep that hears his voice. We're walking in step with him. If he says it, we say, yes, Lord. And we can trust in that because we're following the right shepherd. You know, how do we know? And so what this picture is, whether if, if people, if, if they're doing what Christ has told them to do and, the, and people are hating them and persecuting them and kicking them out of synagogues and doing it in the name of God, that they're doing it because they're anchored to the devil in a sense. And what I always like to say, and I'll, I'll leave with this simple thought, is that the difference between, I'll call it a holy religion and an unholy religion or a true religion and a false religion, a religion true being it's worshiping the God of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible, it's submitting to the gospel of the Bible. The, the difference is, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. I'm trying to make a major point and I, and I lost my train of thought, but um, goodness gracious, it'll have to come back to me. I'm so, I apologize, but, 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 but the, let me think a second. So that, that, it the difference is oh so i was trying to say flesh so your flesh so we have the flesh the world and the devil right and that's what's trying to pull us away from god so your flesh has very clever ideas because it's always trying to justify what it really wants to do your old man your fallen nature is always trying to justify what you're trying to do and the devil may tempt your flesh your flesh may just do this stuff on its own because it's just a wicked thing. Um, but but as you get into religion, as you get into faith, what will happen, I always like to say it like this, that works is always, try, once you understand the freedom of Christ alone, works is always trying to find its way back in. So when you abandon the foundation of works, and you surrender and die to yourself and you yield to Christ alone and you're building on his you're building a house on his foundation what'll happen is when the works comes around and it sees that you're doing so well it'll hint and whisper you want some of this you want some of this and it'll try to work its way back in and if you're not careful through the flesh's what do we call it wolves in sheep clothing what your flesh will do in the concept of wolves and sheep clothing is it'll work unbiblical material and, and works in your own fallen nature power. It'll it'll work it back in and it'll say, see, this is meritorious. This is credible because I did this. God should 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 uh, should accept me and forgive me. No, the only reason God should accept you and forgive you is because you're hiding yourself in Christ, that the blood of Christ has washed you white as snow. That's the biblical reason that you're forgiven. That's the biblical reason you're you have a wedding garment and you're willing to you, you're you're able to enter into the the wedding feast is because of what Christ has done. And and it's it's difficult. It's difficult to be anchored to that. 
But false religion is that's the core of it. It's trying to find a sophisticated spiritual way to cause you to stumble. And and it all comes down to this one thing. There was a there was a reason why these this hard to reach audience that Jesus was speaking to was so hard is because they were so religious. They 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 were so anchored into something that to walk them through scripture, walk them through truth, and show them that they were actually they had actually navigated to being anchored to the devil. And they were not in step with Abraham and they were not in step with Moses and they were not in step with David and they were not in the understanding of the prophets. He couldn't hardly communicate that to them, you know, a lot of them. So I'll shut up with that. Mr. Wayne's got to jump off. Any final thoughts before you jump off? Yes, I'd like this minute to, uh, I know there's some background noise, but I'd like to say to this minute that, that pointing this out, pointing how, natural the flesh is going to be to walk away from god i would tell people who uh like like the christians who believe in once saved always saved um that they are as vulnerable as a as the pharisee who thought he was believing in god but believed in the temple how how sneaky satan is and how easy it is for anyone to fall away if they don't keep up the good works of knowing God the way they need to know him through prayer and understanding in the Bible. Thank God we have the Bible and churches that teach the Bible and uh, declare our loyalty to God, not, not to the Bible, not to the religion, but our, our loyalty to God, because that's the only way that we're going to prevent the same deterioration that happens to the older Christians who never brought up in the churches that just preached instead of, uh, encourage the use of the bible and, and to get to know god develop your relationship with him so we're all vulnerable to a point if we don't keep up what we're doing like here this morning and thank god for you guys and, and the encouragement we receive from taking care of each other this way yeah, yeah i do have to run I have a blessed day y'all jeff you got any final thoughts Yeah, I was uh, I was just I was trying to track with what he was what he was saying about, um, you know, even even those who believe in once saved, always saved, uh, you, you know, that message there. Um, it it kind of threw me off a little bit. But um, but, yeah, I think uh, when Jesus came and he he did the works that he did and they saw with their own eyes, he came first to the Jewish people. They were fully rejecting him um, and and to the point where, you know, they put him on a cross. Um, they have him crucified. Even his disciples after him, they persecuted every single every single one of them. Uh, I think it was a grip of one who had James killed first, uh, put Peter in jail. Peter was going to die the next day, but the angel let him out. But every time you see these these men full of the Holy Spirit raise up and begin to proclaim the truths of God when they're doing it to a Jewish audience, they're going back to, to Abraham. They're going back to Moses. I think Stephen's sermon, he does it. Peter does it. Paul does it. All of them remind them about their lineage and where they came from. And then at the very end is that cut to the heart moment. And then you crucified the son of God. And, um, 
and and you know of course we know what happens to Stephen. we know what happens on peter's sermon um and the difference there but that's the dividing line that's the dividing point and, and dennis you touched on something earlier that says works works will always try to uh weasel its way back into to your doctrine and to guard yourself from that and that that's nothing new that's been happening since you know paul was writing to the galatians and and there's this one point that you cannot compromise on and that's uh, that's we're saved through faith alone and that that if you try to add anything to that gospel um you've lost the whole thing because james says you now you now have to keep the whole law and that's what that's what they, they were trying to do in galatia you know yes it's through faith alone but but we got to add this one thing that shows that you know this mark of circumcision to show that you know we are separated and of course, you know, Paul, Paul rebukes that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, that's since the beginning of the church, they've always in some way or another, the devil's always tried to bring works back into it. And, and all the world religions that we see today are all works based religions minus biblical Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> so what you think, Miss Shane? Yeah, I like what y'all said. I mean, I, I think discernment and just realizing that, you know, our you know, the Bible talks about the, the battles. Um uh gosh, I just had it on my on my mind. It's uh not against flesh and blood, but the principalities of darkness. And I, I just think it's we have to be relying on on the Lord to show us the discern have the discernment to uh see when the devil's trying to get those works in and um allow we we you know we allow him to fill our minds with uh with the works and our idols um you know so I, I basically uh the discernment i mean i'm I'm going off track but and that's what discernment. part is like how do we have good discernment i mean i've thought about that a lot recently and 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 I, I think if you can connect some of this to some of those passages I gave you in John, you know, in John eight, it's, it's really comes down to, do you think Christ is the Messiah? You know, do you believe the prophets were speaking, you know, for God, you know, and if, if you do not know what the prophets said and, and you don't believe, you know, you missed it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to know that, like, I think it was in, it's in Matthew 21, that last little bit was the vineyard. And I read through that a while back. It's like, he sent all these prophets, all these servants, and they rejected them all. And when the son came, they, they killed him and said, we could have the inheritance. Well, no, the son created all things. He's the life without Christ. You don't have, you don't have nothing. There is no inheritance to have, you know? Hey, uh, I, I, that's why I think the discernment comes from knowing the word. hundred percent. And, and that's what like, so I, I enjoyed the charismatic world for a while. And, um, and so the um, charismatic world would, would make the case that the discernment comes from being filled with the Holy spirit and being in tune with the Holy spirit. But they, but, but, John, but in John four, it says that true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. And clearly charismatics have, really went off the deep end with with biblical truth um whether they want to accept it or not they may you may talk to them and they may be like this audience in john 8 where um they can't hear the words of a 
messenger from God. Um, you know, some of the con con condemnations of someone that un understands the word that that critiques a charismatic is that well, you're not spirit filled or you you haven't you know experienced this or that. But um, as far as signs and wonders and stuff of this nature, but that's a that's an arrogant thing because you know you claim tongues, but yet nobody has like like so in Acts two you have someone speaking tongues and it's an actual language that someone there can interpret and they understand it as the gospel. So you speak in another language to share the gospel and, and they receive it. And you know that you did something amazing because they understand the language that's never happened before. Nowhere like at, at since then, you know, it, with, with the charismatic church, the healings, they proclaim that they do. It's not happening like it did in this time. And the prophecies are a joke. You know, they're very vague. They, they're, they, they, they're something you would hear from a con artist, you know? And so they have no credibility on these things they're proclaiming. But even Jesus himself said the signs and wonders were to validate a message that was firm and stable and saving a person's soul. So when you disconnect, the spirits work from the work of truth, the written word, the the content of a message of the gospel, then you you've done something grievously wrong. And and you know, anyway, hey, tell you one last thing real quick is I want you to hear this. So I kept talking about this. I just got a text in a group and it says the old testament contains more than 300 references to the Messiah covering many details concerning his birth, life, and death. If it had, it, it has been estimated that the odds of Jesus fulfilling even eight of these prophecies um, is a one and like a lot, one million, one billion chance that that would happen. And, and he did over 300. So I was hinting to some of that, but this is what we're talking about is that there was, prophetic content that they should have been studying and they just should have they should have known if they knew moses if they knew abraham and the faith and all that they it just that discernment that you were talking about they should have been in step with that um all right well let me uh stop this and we can pray together but uh, i'm gonna stop this